Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. So Isaiah 40, verse 3. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And now Psalm 138, starting at verse 1, which you can find on page 627. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down towards your holy temple and will praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. For you have so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. When I called, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. May all the kings of the earth praise you, Lord when they hear what you have decreed. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against me, uh, against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will vindicate me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. And finally, Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 1, on page 1002. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the river Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt round his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the, and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. At once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went out into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Well, good morning. 
It's a pleasure to be with you on this first day of a new academic year in a new semester. How good is that? I mean, where, 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 would, you, where would you rather be in the CBD of Melbourne or would you rather be, you know, Ballarat, Sydney? I mean, but you're here at Ridley and you're here uh, and you're probably beginning something or you're in the midst of something you've begun. So we're here because we want to do new things, don't we? We're here because we want to do something different with our lives. You know, many, many years ago when I was in the army, I've decided, you know, rather than killing people, I want to kill heresy. I want to, that's what I want to do. Rather than know the secrets of our foreign enemies that we garner through intelligence, I know the secrets of the kingdom. And that's why I began a new thing. And I, I began at Bible College. That's what we're doing. We're, we're beginning new things today. So as we do that, let's, let's pray. Our Heavenly Lord, we ask you us to bless us uh, as we look through now the Gospel of Mark. And we pray, Lord, as we see the beginning of the Gospel, we will be inspired to begin new Gospel tasks and missions in our own life. In Christ's name, amen. <coughs> Uh, I can tell you my, my entire repertoire of jokes comes from two sources, The Simpsons and Blackadder. For those who don't know Blackadder, it's a 1980s comedy. One of my favorite scenes in Blackadder is where Baldrick says to Blackadder, you know how there was a, there's a war and there was a time when there wasn't a war. How did we get there from a time when there wasn't a war to there being a war? To which uh, Blackadder replies, so you're asking... How did the war begin? <laughs> exactly. And maybe Mark's writing, people saying, you know, there's a gospel, and there was a time when there wasn't a gospel. Well, how did the gospel begin? And that's what Mark is telling us, I think in his, in his, his book largely, but certainly in verses 1 to 15, he's talking about that, the beginning of the gospel, because he starts out with his sort of uh, inscription, um, the beginning of the, good, the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, God's son, which is then sort of buttressed with the beginning of Jesus himself proclaiming the gospel of God. And this is why I also love Michael Card's album, series of songs on the gospel of Mark called The Beginning of the Gospel. So that's what Mark is trying to do. He's trying to talk us through how the gospel begins. And he talks about, you know, the beginning of the gospel. Uh, and, and Mark, what Mark is doing in his book, he's not writing a, a eulogy for a, a miracle working hero. He's not writing the memoirs of a great philosopher. He's not cataloging the sayings of a religious guru. He's not composing the tragedy of a Galilean prophet who fought for the poor but came to a grisling end. No, Mark writes what he calls a gospel, which uh, seems to be of the of, of, of a type of writing, a type of genre. <laughs> As I say that deferring to my expert on the topic, Andy, that it's a type of genre. Uh, that we could call a charismatic biography, by which we means it's the proclamation of a central figure in salvation history. And it marries together, you know, Hebrew narrative from the Old Testament, ancient biography and Christian proclamation. It's a story of faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But did you know that gospel was not a religious word? 
It wasn't a, it wasn't a type of a brand of a music. It was, it, was, it was a fairly secular word. It was a word associated often with, with politics and civil discourse. Good news meant news, usually news of victory. Good news, Pompey, the, the general Pompey has defeated the Cappadocians, Mithridates IV, he whipped him. Good news, the Romans have defeated the Carthaginians. You know, good news, they've defeated the Parthians, the Syrians. That's what it was good news. It was good news about victory. And you find a similar sense of that even in the Hebrew Bible. If you go to Isaiah 52, you have the glad tidings that Yahweh reigns. His reign is coming. His kingly power is going to be displayed by vanquishing the Babylonians and setting the Judean exiles free. Gospel normally means news of victory. And this victory applies to the one who is Jesus Christ, God's son. Now we can think of God's, uh, sorry, the son of God in different ways. We can think of it, first of all, in the sense of a title for Israel's king. Now, if you read 2 Samuel chapter 7 or Psalm 2, there is a sense in which Israel's king, as part of the Davidic covenant, was a son of God and would kind of in his own limited way mediate something of Yahweh's reign to the people as the son of God in that sense. But in Jesus' case, it's more than that. It's more than just being a royal title. It also means he has a unique filial relationship with Israel's God. He relates to him in a special way as a father and son. So this is about the news of the victory of the Son of God. And this is meant to be good news because it's going to be about liberation, the forgiveness of sins, salvation. It's, 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 the word evangelion means good news, but it's what we might call disevangelion. Bad news for the world, the flesh, the devil, and the powers of their present darkness and their earthly representatives. And so Mark gives us the title for his work, A Good News About the Son of God, and then he wants to show us that this is a continuation of the biblical storyline. This isn't a brand new story out of nowhere, okay? Mark wants to show the, the connection, the conformity of his gospel to the pattern of Israel's sacred history. And he gives us a number of quotes. And basically he says, as it's written in Isaiah, and by Isaiah I mean Exodus, and by Exodus I mean Malachi. <laughs> so you might be confused. Is, is this, see, I think this is what could happen if you ask ChatGPT Chat for Bible verses. <laughs> this may be what you get, okay? But what we have here is something in antiquity called a composite citation, where they actually splice a number of Bible verses together. And this, this is very common. You find it in Paul's letters, Dead Sea Scrolls, all different sort of places. Now, why, why is Mark doing this? Well, he wants to introduce the ministry of John the Baptist. And he's doing that by bringing various things about a forerunner, which you get from Exodus and Malachi. But he wants to put it under the canopy of the book of Isaiah. Okay, and because well, Isaiah, particularly the, the middle bits, are about how God is becoming king and he is going to set his people free. You know how there was an old exodus out of Egypt? Well, there's going to be a new exodus. 
okay? And the new Exodus has never really been fully complete, okay? All those great promises in Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Isaiah, they've never really been finally finished and done. But he's saying, look, there is one who is announcing that that day is indeed coming. And this is where he introduces, you know, John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist is literally out there in the wilderness declaring the word of the Lord. Uh, you know, for the Kumeva uh, the, 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 the of the Dead Sea Scrolls, if you go east of Jerusalem, down the steep hill, down by the Dead Sea, there's a bunch of caves. There was a communion around there. And they were literally, in their mind, they were literally out in the wilderness preparing the way of their Lord by establishing their own sort of quasi-monastic community where they were away from the contaminations and impurities of the rest of the Jews and the, and the Gentile world. That was their way of preparing the way for the Lord. Now, John the Baptist wants to do um, something similar, but he's not you know, establishing his own little monastic community writing a list of community rules and a kind of an apocalyptic soap opera about what's going to happen at the end of the world. He's doing something a little bit different. Um, he's out there uh, proclaiming that there is going to be a coming one, a greater one, a stronger one, who's going to baptize in the Holy Spirit. Uh, it, we could even switch to what um, Luke and Matthew say. They've got their own version of this, where it's, it's not just he will baptize with the Holy Spirit, but it's more like he will... It's with the Holy Spirit and with fire, which is kind of like saying he will plunge you into the fiery breath of God, which is a very dramatic thing to say. Because John is hinting at the idea that this great act of liberation, deliverance that God's people need, that's coming. It's going to come through this coming one, and he's going to be a dispenser of the Holy Spirit. And this is going to purify people ahead of this final cataclysmic judgment that is about to eventuate. And he calls people back to covenant righteousness. He calls them to repent. Because if you read the prophets, and this is the message over and over again, if Israel wants to receive the covenant blessings, if they want this great day of salvation and deliverance, the, the requirement is repentance. God's people have to repent corporately, and then we experience this, this act of liberation. So John sees himself as the forerunner. Okay, He's the one who is declaring that this day is coming, the stronger one is coming, now's the time to get your affairs in order, now's the time to return to covenant righteousness, now's the time you know, to, to get your affairs in order and to get right with God. And he's, he's declaring, in effect, he's preparing the way of the Lord. Now, in, in Isaiah, that means the coming of Yahweh as king. And here's, here's, the, th here's the thing. He, John is preparing the way for the Lord in Isaiah 40. And who steps onto the scene next? I'll give you a hint. Its name starts with J and rhymes with Bezos. <laughs> it's the Lord Jesus himself. Now, do you know what this tells me? That the coming of the Lord happens in and through as the coming of Jesus. Now, I have to say... Scholars think they're so clever. <laughs> Have you noticed this? Scholars think they say clever. They, they say really dumb things like, you know, well, the Gospel of John, that's high Christology. But the Gospel of Mark's not the Gospel of John. That's low Christology. Jesus is just a prophet. 
I mean, that's a load of nonsense. I mean, he says, look, John the Baptist, I'm preparing the way for the Lord, and the guy who steps on the scene next is Jesus. This is a high Christology. He identifies Jesus with the Lord of Israel. If Mark's Christology was any higher, there's a chance the Greens would try to legalize it. (laughs) This is high Christology that we have here. And Jesus comes onto the scene. And Jesus is there with John. He's there with John. And he's being, he's, it comes from Galilee where he is. He's baptized into the Jordan River. Now we can ask the question, if John's baptism is a baptism for the forgiveness of sins, why is Jesus being baptized? That's a good question to ask. It seems to be an act of solidarity with the nation who is yet to experience the full effects of the exodus, who is still in exile. He's doing that. He's going through not merely as the Lord who directs him, like you go here and you go there, like that sort of a thing. No, he's, he's doing this because he is one with these people. He is a Judean man. He's, he's Jewish. He's, he is one of them. He goes through the same waters with them. Moses went through the Red Sea with the people. Jesus himself walks into the very waters of human existence. He will undergo the very same things that will be experienced by God's people. But something happens while he's in the water. We, he, this, this amazes to be a vision or something going on. The heavens split open. It, it is literally an event. Jesus getting baptized is an event that literally you know, rips part of the cosmos apart. That's what happens. The, 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 the divide between the, the heavenly realm or dimension, whatever it is, and our world, that is temporarily cut, the division. There's like a little incision made, and God's spirit comes upon him. Now, here we have a very important union. We have God's son, who's identified in terms of the coming of Isaiah's Lord to bring the kingly saving power of God, is now united with God's spirit. He now bears God's spirit as well. This is an important, this is a cosmic rendezvous between God's son and God's spirit. And no sooner has he received this spirit, he comes out of the water and there's also a divine voice that says, you are my son whom I dearly love. In you, I am well pleased. This marks the beginning, not of Jesus' sonship, but this is the point where he is commissioned for his messianic vocation, to be both the royal son of God, the messianic son of God, who will bring the deliverance that was forecast in the book of Isaiah. But what's the next thing he does? Jesus is then led, if we even did, I think the Greek will have, would be like he's propelled into the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan. Now, what's, what's this thing with the wilderness? Uh, the, the wilderness can be a very symbolic place. It is symbolic for a place of testing, temptation as it was during the time of the, the, uh, the Hebrews coming out of Egypt. It's also a place of resistance where the Maccabeans launched their resistance campaign against the Seleucids, the Greeks, who tried to abolish Judaism and replace it with Greek religion. But it's also a place of new beginnings. You read Hosea too. You know, Yahweh says, I'm going to take 
Israel out into the wilderness. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start a new covenant with them. It's a place of new beginnings. Okay. And I think that's what is here for Jesus. It's, it's on the one hand, it is a place of temptation. I mean, if he is the Messiah, if he is the representative of Israel, can he withstand the same temptations that the Israelites themselves faced? And he does. He comes out of mercy. So this is, this is where the, the new plan of redemption is going to be. And this is going to be a new beginning for God's people. And the harmony he has there with the wild animals and the angels, it's kind of a, if you like, a preview of the healing of the whole creation. And it's at a subsequent point that Jesus really gets into his ministry. It's at an important point. You know, after John was John the Baptist was arrested, he's taken to custody where he'll be in Herod's, uh, Herod Antipas's prison. Jesus came into Galilee announcing God's God, the gospel of God saying, now the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Uh, This is, just as when Jesus walked into the Jordan, when Jesus decides to begin his preaching ministry, he's effectively saying, Aslan is on the move. D-Day is here. The shot clock has wound down to zero. He proclaims the good news of the victory of God's kingdom. But what's what's the kingdom of God again? I mean, I could spend the next 40 minutes waxing eloquently about 20 different views of God's kingdom. I, I like the idea of what I call the 3D view. I call it God's domain, God's dominion, and God's deliverance. So on the one hand, the kingdom of God can be like a future realm, Uh, It can be the saving sovereignty of God, but also his deliverance. But as much as I like that, there is part of me that thinks I really should just go back to the the prime definition that we get from a great biblical scholar, Australian biblical scholar, Graham Goldsworthy, and his definition is probably more memorable. You know, it's God's rule over God's people in God's place. If you understand that, you basically understand the kingdom of God. But Jesus is saying this kingdom is, is now breaking in. That great promise that Yahweh is going to become king and set his people free, that is now happening. That, for Mark, is the beginning of the gospel. But what has this got to do with you? Uh, You're not going to be called to go to uh, Galilee and to begin the gospel there anytime soon. But today, for many of you, it kind of is the beginning of the gospel. Many, many of you are, are starting college here for the first time. Who's, who's, a, who's a newbie? Who's, who's here for their first time at Ridley? I mean, yeah. For many of you, this, this is the beginning of the gospel. This is the moment where you look at the Jordan River. Uh, you kind of look behind you and you look around and you say, well, I'm going to step into the Jordan and we're going to see what happens. Wait for my vision, that type of thing. Uh, maybe some of you are currently in the midst of your studies and you're, in the, you're seeing the sky ripped uh, in, in front of you. You're, you're hearing that and maybe you're, you're, you're longing for graduation. You're longing, you've been here for a few years now, you're longing for graduation where someone's going to hand you the certificate and the deputy principal will say, this is my beloved student in whom I am well pleased. <laughs> Maybe that's what you're waiting for next, okay? But we're all here in a sense, 
in the beginning of the gospel, where you're stepping into the Jordan River or you're getting that, you're getting that vision or yeah, you're waiting for that, that moment of validation of your calling. You're all in the beginning of the gospel. But let me tell you something. As hard as it may seem, beginning is easy. Finishing is hard. Uh, I had this experience with jigsaw puzzles. <laughs> I'm very big good at beginning them. Once I get kind of like the boundaries, then it's like, ah, oh, it's too hard from here. I've done the easy part. I'm, I'm not a good person to do a jigsaw puzzle with. Beginning is easy, finishing is hard. I went to theological college 25 years ago. And out of that original class of mine, uh, a lot of the people, almost virtually all, have either left the ministry and a few have even left the Christian faith. Many began, they did not finish. Here at Ridley, we want you to begin in the gospel. We want you to advance the, in the gospel. We want you to guard the gospel, and we want you to finish in the grace of the gospel. And there are certain things we're going to ask you to do, and you're going to wonder, what, what do you have to do this for? You know, how is this going to turn me into a, in a fantastic worship leader in my church? Or how is this going to make me a, a vicar in charge of my own parish? Or how is this going to lead me to being a, you know, a, a, a better leader in, in, in my church? Things may not seem obvious as to why you're doing them, but believe me, everything we do is so you begin, go on, and finish in the gospel. This is why, this is why we've launched a new unit like Gospel and Gospel Ministry. It's not because we were bored and we just wanted to make stuff up and make you do it. Okay? Now, this is, this is what, this is what, Reese, what, next semester, isn't it? Next semester? No, on Thursday. On Thursday! <laughs> Sorry, I should know that. Who wrote the timetable around here? <laughs> Talk to that guy. Yeah, this Thursday. Gospel and gospel ministry. That's what we're doing this because we want you to begin in the gospel and go on in the gospel. Okay? So this, this, is why, this is why we do this stuff. So if you're wondering why you're doing this is why you're doing If you want to begin a good gospel ministry and have a, a ministry that's so pervaded, inspired, okay, by the gospel, this is why we want you to do this stuff. And, you know, we want you to learn, learn some really cool academic stuff like infralapsarianism, you know, and the quarto-decimillion controversy. But we also want you to be very spiritual people. Okay, this is why you do things like guided spiritual formation, uh, because we don't just want you to know about Greek words like Evangelion and composite citations in ancient literature. We want you to have a heart that is shaped by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the beginning today of, for many of you, of a gospel ministry, but you need to keep walking in that way. Okay, and I'm going to tell you what happens when, when Jesus gets commissioned for his ministry. What does what happens next? It's wilderness, bit of temptation, and then and then when he finally does begin his ministry, you know what what does he experience in, in, along the way? Demonic attack, opposition, meets some very interesting people along the way, attracts a band of disciples. One betrays him. It's not an easy journey. I mean, remember when Jesus says, come follow me, he tells us to take up our cross and follow him. 
It's a difficult journey that you, uh, many of you are entering into. We want you to begin with the gospel and to end with triumph. Remember, this is news of victory. We want you to end in a victorious way. But today, we celebrate the fact that you are beginning in the gospel. You are walking in the way of the Lord. And it's my prayer for you that you go where God has called you. And on that note, let me pray for us. Our heavenly Lord, we, we thank you for the beginning of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that we too, in the way that you have called us all, would participate in this story as well. We would begin and finish in the gospel. We would go on with grace, encouraged by your calling and the people you put around us. We pray that we would proclaim the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, live lives worthy of that message, and bring glory to our God and King who calls us his beloved children. We pray that the day will come when he will be greatly pleased with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. <laughs>